for the last 26 and a half years, um, Christmas Eve has been a night that I have always, always, always wanted to have a service on. Um, it's one of those things where I was uh, 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 working in the world, and, and, and so I'm a, a, a second career pastor. And when the Lord called me into the ministry, one of the things that we've done, no matter where we were pastoring at, was we always had a Christmas Eve service. I don't know what it is about Christmas Eve, but I just feel like before I go home, and yet whether we dive into Christmas or whether we do it on Christmas um, morning, I always feel like I would rather just be in the presence of God and just sit and be still and quiet and away from all of the commercialization. Um, if this is your home church, you know we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, slow things down, slow things down. But the crazy part is Thanksgiving was so late and we added a holly jolly Christmas show to our, uh, our calendar. And so we have been just going and going and going and going. So we very intentionally wanted to have a service where it was just all low key and all slowed down and we could just kind of be in the presence of God and just stop and say, Lord, we want to remember what this was about. We want to remember why it is that we gather together. We want to not just be about the commercialization part of it. We want to stop and be here. And so as I've been thinking about this particular message, we've been doing a series called The Holly Jolly Spirit of Christmas. And this evening, what I want to talk about is the spirit of awe. The idea that something catches your breath and just, just holds it for just a second and then you let it back out. The idea that you're somewhere and all of a sudden you go, and, and, and there it is, and then your brain starts to try to process it, clear out. But for that split second, you were in that moment of awe. And in the Christmas story, there is that as well. And so as we gather together this evening, as we begin to sing, we're, we're singing um, songs and, and, and we're just, they're, they're reflective songs. And we want to sing those songs. And then in a little bit, when I'm done talking to you, we're going to do the candlelight part of it and we're going to have the candlelight. And there's something about that that just kind of like makes you go, oh, look. And I've seen people take pictures of their little ones and you look over and you see somebody who's singing and there's a candle and the candlelight is on their face and there's something about that that just says, and there's a little bit of awe to it. And I think in the Christmas story, there's an awe that we kind of miss just a little tiny bit. When I looked up the idea of awe, when I was thinking about doing something on the spirit of awe, um, I, I looked up awe and it's defined this way. A feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder, meaning that there's just something about it that captures you and holds you for just a little bit. And I think that we live in a world, even in a church, we live in a world where we're so Christianized, if you will, that we stop and we don't, we don't just stand in awe of God himself because he's God. And so I'm thinking about that. Can you think about a moment in your own life where there was something going on that you were just suddenly captured by it and it just had you in awe for just a split second? You were somewhere in your life and there was just something that made you go, and hold that thought for a moment. For me, I, I, when I was thinking about that, and I thought, what, what was something that, that I would think of is there? I can remember, if I can go a little redneck on you, I can remember being city, seated in a tree stand in 20-degree in weather, and there was about a foot of snow on the ground, and it was snowing in western Oklahoma. Not like, you know, like snowing super heavy, but it was snowing, and it was coming down, and there's something about being in the woods where it's just quiet, 
And, and, and there's just something, I, I mean, I'm in church, so I don't want to say magical about it, but it's that whole idea of awe. And then all of a sudden, it, it, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, there's light, the snow is bright, and suddenly there's a deer there. You never heard it coming, you never saw it coming, it's just you look this way, and when you came back, it was right there. And there's something about deer in the woods, in the snow, on a crisp morning, it just makes you go... And I remember saying, I'm not shooting this deer. I'm just going to watch this one. I'm just going to enjoy it. And it captured my awe. And I just thought, God, you did this. She just suddenly was right there, easily within bow shot. But it was like, just watch this. Just experience the moment. And it was that way. Um, now, if, if you're here with your wife, the smart thing to do is to lean over, give her a little bump and say, yes, for me it was that moment when they opened the doors at our wedding and there you were and you went, oh. but honestly, the number of weddings that I've done in 26 and a half years, when, when the bridesmaids all come in and then they open the door and there's the bride and everybody sees the bride for the first time in her gown and she showed up and there's just for a split second that, oh, there she is. And then the wedding goes on. <clears throat> For me, there was a time when uh, my daughter was in a, she was the bridesmaid, or one of the bridesmaids in the wedding. And, and we were at this wedding. She wasn't married at the time. And, and uh, the bride came down. She was a friend of ours. Some of you know Julia Kurtz. Um, she's our pastor's wife, or one of our assistant pastor's wife that went on to pastor over in Frankfurt. But I, I remember um, when the bridesmaids were coming down, and, and I turned around to see the bridesmaids coming, and my daughter showed up, and I went, <gasps> And then I started crying, and my wife said, you're such a baby. And, and she said, you're never going to get through her wedding when it's time. You're not. You're not doing the wedding. And I'd always thought, well, of course I'll do the wedding. It's my daughter. And it's like, no, I did not do either of my daughter's wedding because I would not have gone through it. As a matter of fact, weddings are, it's so bad. Have you seen Crazy Rich Asians, that movie? Did you see that? Can I just talk about Crazy Rich Asians for just a, a second on Christmas morning? The wedding scene. When the aisles flooded with water and the bride came in and she put her bare foot and she just touched the water in the, in the movie and I started crying and my wife was like, what is wrong with you? And it's like, so beautiful and I just, my daughter. And it's like, there's just that moment where her toe went to touch the water and you're like, and it was a movie. It's like, oh, come on. I was manipulated by Hollywood. I know, I know I was. But it's just that awe that says, wow, look at this. Same thing happens if you're there when a baby is born. There's that second when that child is born. I had the privilege of, of uh, delivering my first three children. The doctor that we used, um, he just said, hey, do you want to do this? And, and I was just like, yes. Yes, I do want to do this. And so I had the privilege of delivering each of the first of the three of our children. The, the second, I mean, the, excuse me, the last two came as a match set. And so that was a C-section. And, and, you know, it was like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, no, no. And knives and my wife and babies and no. Um, and so the doctor handled that one. But I still got to be right there while it was all taking place. And every single time one of my children was born and they were right there and they said, this is your child, this is your daughter, this is your son. It was a kind of a moment. It was like, this is a life. This is a baby. 
It's right here. And, and I didn't say this in the first service, but let me just say this, not to be morbid or anything. Have you ever been in the room when somebody who loves Jesus left the planet? Have you ever been right there by their bed when they took their last breath and they stopped breathing? And something happened, and you can feel it. And it's, it, it, everybody in the room just goes, they're gone. Just like that. They're gone. The awe, our awe is captured for a split second. And then to be separate from the body, the scripture says, is to be present with the Lord. And it's like, wow, in just that much time. And so it catches us. And that's pretty much the Christmas story. It was a new baby. And people were in awe. Think about it for a second. God came down. He was right there. He was in the manger. There was the king of kings. He gave up his throne and he came to earth and he put on our form, weakened and broken as it is. He was tempted in every way, the scripture says, just as you and I are, yet he was without sin. He resisted using his supernatural powers and he showed us how to exist in the presence in a relationship with God and access, um, be used by the Holy Spirit to bring the kingdom of God. I can only imagine the, me the moment that he healed the leper. And it was a, suddenly they're healed. Their disease is gone. Everybody holds their breath for just a second because of what's going on. But the awe that we experience only lasts a moment because then our brain engages and starts trying to figure out what's going on and what's happening. But for that split second, we just get to exist in the awe. And I think that's what was going on in the lives of the shepherds in the book of Luke 2. It says, when the angels had left the shepherds and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. Think about it for a second. These shepherds, and we don't know how many there was, one, two, three, four, but these shepherds, they walked into this barn, into this cave, whatever it might have been, we, we really don't know, but they walked into the presence of this woman that had just given birth, this husband, maybe a couple of their family members because of the way they would have traveled, but they walked in, and were they welcome or were they not welcome? I don't know about you, but my wife wants a little time after birth to put herself together before even her parents and family comes in. But there's Mary, and there's Joseph, and there's strangers showing up saying the angels told us, and Mary welcomed them in when she just could have easily have kept them out. But she welcomes them in, and the, and the shepherds walk up to the manger, and there's the baby, and there's that moment where they go, it's just like the angels said. It's an awe moment. And we kind of lose these awe moments in our relationship to God these days because it's just, it's something that we hear over and over and we take for granted and we make movies about it and cartoons about it and it's kind of crazy that way. But we've come away this night to sit in awe. We've come away this night to be quiet. I told the congregation I made the mistake of going to Walmart this past Saturday. It's Saturday. It's the last Saturday before Christmas. What did I expect? Everybody went to Walmart. I've heard people talking about going to Myers today or Kroger's today. Somebody said Kroger's whole electronic system went down. You had to pay with a cash or with a check. Yeah. A lot of angry people. 
want their food for free now, think they deserve it. <laughs> what is it with humanity? See, there's just something about the crazy, crazy that's going on. But we wanted to stop and say, look, we want to just be quiet and we want to be reverent in the presence of God before we go to joyful family Christmases. Some of you are going to have fam uh, Christmas tonight. Some of you are going to have Christmas tomorrow morning. Before we enter into that, we just want to be in the presence of God. And so that's what we're doing. We're saying we want to uh, uh, come away from all of that, away from the noise, away from the gathered together, away from the packages, away from gifts and dinners, away from the world. We long for God and Jesus Christ to come. We long like the shepherds did. We hope like the shepherds did. And we wait and we cry out like the world does and says, God, where are you? It's getting kind of tough down here. Look at the politics. Look at the way people don't love each other anymore. Look at the way we can't have a civil disagreement anymore. It's like, God, can't we just be the people to usher that back in, please? So we cry out. Years later, the Apostle John would write, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The baby in the manger came as the light of the world. And he was in the world. And the world, though made through him, excuse me, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but he did not, it did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born of, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or even a husband's will, but born of God. It says, the scripture, the scripture says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And John says that John the Baptist testified about him, and he said he cried out saying, this is the one that I spoke about saying when I said that he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And so John goes back to saying, out of his fullness, Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and the only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. So as we come together, we come together and we say, this is God's gift to you and I. Can we be thankful? And if I were to ask you to look back on 2019, because, man, we've got one more Sunday and it's out. It's 220, 2020. It's here. But if you turn around and you look back at 2019, what would you thank God for this year? What has happened in your life that has caused you to draw close to God. Many of you know that my wife and family and I have had a kind of rough last quarter of this year, and I'll be honest with you, I am so done with it. It's like, move along. This is not the year I want to exist in anymore. But in the meantime, I look back and I see all of the amazing things that God has done for my family, whether it's jobs for my children or sparing li the life of my son and my wife and a trip to, uh, to the African continent, at the same time being a part of what's going on here at the Vineyard and, and, and with the other churches in our county and in our communities that are trying to make a difference. It's been a great year. It's been an exciting year. And as I enter into it with awe, I am in awe of what God has been doing in my personal life. See, we need this hope. 
you and I. And we need this Jesus. And we can go through life and we can do without it until we run into a wall and then suddenly we're aware, wow, I've been neglecting God. But the truth of the matter is we kind of just take it for granted and go through the story. But do we live in the awe that any second now that baby could be born, and I don't mean the actual baby born, I mean that trumpet could blow and that baby as a grown man could be back in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at how fast Matthew 25 and, uh, 24 and 25 are playing out before our eyes. And it could happen any time. And we wonder, are we living for this hope? Do we recognize that we need this Jesus now? Tonight we've chosen to live in awe, and we live in awe of God's love for you and I. Think about it for a second. I live in awe of the fact that this God who loves me more than anybody else can, knows my deepest, darkest sin that he's forgiven me for that, that I don't want anybody to know anything about. And he still loves me. He doesn't throw rocks at me. He doesn't hate me. He doesn't want me to go away. I live in awe that he continues to lead me, lead us as a church. I live in awe because he provides for you and I jobs and a means by which we eat. I'm in awe of his intrusions into our lives, even when I'm trying to do what I think is his will. And I say, Lord, this is what you need to do. And he says, I'm not even getting close to that. And he injects himself into the situation and says, hey, Joe, come join me in what I'm doing. And he intrudes into my plan for his life. <laughs> because he has a plan for my life. I'm in awe of that. I'm in awe of belonging to a, a greater body the body of Christ, not with a name on the building, but the body of Christ where I meet Christian people that are living and chasing after Jesus Christ, and we have this thing in common, whether it's in America, whether it's in Kentucky, whether it's in Ohio, whether it's in Indiana, whether it's in Africa, wherever it is, I'm in awe that there are Christian people all over the world, not a people going to church and naming the name, but a people chasing after Jesus in a radical way where the Holy Spirit gets to use them and move them and things happen supernaturally. I'm in awe of that, that he has made us a body, but that he has called us together as a tribe and more than that, that he's made us family. Where people don't have family, God welcomes them in. And that's been my experience, not that I didn't have a family, but it was a rough one. And I'm in awe that God has brought me into a family. In the book of Matthew, the scripture says, while Jesus was still speaking to the crowd, his mother and his brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. <laughs> That's how we know they wanted to speak to him. Because they told the, the guy, go give Jesus a message. We want to speak to him. And so he told them that. And Jesus replied to this messenger, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, and I want you to pay attention to this, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Pointing to his disciples. He said, These women are my disciples. They are my mothers. And these men are my brothers. He welcomes us back into the family. 
For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. And as I approach the baby in the manger and as I think about the story and I try to plug myself into it, I'm in awe that this was for me. This was just for me. And it was just for you. See, that baby in the manger grows up to be our sacrifice for our sins to welcome us back because somebody's got to pay for the sin that you and I were born with because we were not born clean and pure. We were born separated from God. But God made a way through his son, Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus was raised up sinless and died on the cross for you and I, his blood paid for our sins so that you and I can come back close and at the point that we recognize we're sinful human beings in need of a Savior because there is not enough good to offset the bad, how would we ever know? God said, I made a way. And not only did God allow him to die on the cross, but he raised him from the dead. It was just a borrowed tomb because he's not going to stay there forever to show you and I that the death that this world experiences is not, is not eternal for you and I. But the dead excuse me, but the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will be raised back to life. And then you and I that are still here will be caught up into the air with them. The Lord said he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And you and I are going to be a part of that. But it all starts with the baby in the manger. It all starts with the awe that there is God who loves us so much. I want to encourage you as you go out from here to ask yourself, how will you take the lead and bring Christ back into the Christmas or the Christmases that you're going to experience? I know in our household I've made it a habit to read the Christmas story from the book of Luke chapter 2, and I've passed it down through to my sons. Um, I can't, I think my daughters might have read it one year, I'm not sure. Um, color me patriarchal sometimes but they read that story and then then I tend to say okay now we're gonna go around and pray for the person to your left or now we're gonna go around and say what we really love about the person to your left and and, and it always ends up with me at least bawling and crying and and blowing my nose and and I can just hear my children going here goes Papa again he's gonna make us all cry because I want us to be aware of what God is doing in the midst of our lives as a family because it's Christmas and I wonder what you're going to do to bring the Christ, the awe, back into your Christmas experiences. If you will be the one to say, hey, before we go anywhere, can we just all pray for each other? Before we go, each other, go anywhere, I don't want to make everybody uncomfortable, but can we just say what we really like about each other? And if Can we take time to say, God, this is what we're thankful for as we enter into our Christmas experiences? I want to encourage you to be the person to take that initiative this year, to decide that that's what you're going to be the person to do and to help it happen. We're going to go from here after I pray, and we're all going to take our candles, and we're going to sing the next two songs. And I just want to invite you to stay seated. And I just want it to be an awe moment. And as your candle gets lit, I want you to look around as you light the one next to you at how it works. The light comes into you, and then you give the light to the next person, and you give the light to the next person. That's actually how it's supposed to work. The Lord comes into your life, and you share it with the next person. They share it with the next person. They share it with the next person. It begins to change our humanity and our cultures.
And I would encourage you in that. I really would. I really would. But let's pray. Fathers, we come before you right now. We thank you for this day, for this evening. We thank you for this Christmas season. But more than that, God, we come before you because our world has attached itself to it because it can't beat you, God. So then it just came and took you over. And it has just has chosen to make this Christmas about everything but you. But we're your children, God, and we've been called to keep this light burning. And so I just ask and pray that as we enter into our own Christmas experiences, that it will be a time where we look to see what we can give, not what we can get. To how we can love, not how we can take. Let us be the people, God, that as we take this light up, that it infects our souls, Lord. And as it infects our souls, let it be something that changes the course of the rest of our lives, even from this evening on. So as we come before you, Lord, we just want to say thank you. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to descend upon us, to rise up inside of us, whatever the right vernacular is. But we invite you to create an awe moment right here, right now for us. Put us at the manger, God, and take our breath away. In Jesus' holy name, amen.